0: Amen. Great to see everybody today. Welcome to week number two in our counterculture series. Last week we talked about why our beliefs matter and how that what we believe and how we live are shaped by our worldview and the worldviews around us. And today though we're going to jump right in and I want to talk about one of the most challenging and controversial issues that we're facing today in this country. And it involves some very fundamental beliefs about God and creation and how we view the culture of life. And I want to speak on the subject of life and the sanctity of life, and I want to talk specifically about the issue of abortion. Now, I have mentioned abortion many times over the 28 years of pastoral ministry, but I have never done an entire message on abortion uh, until today. So uh, let me just say right up front, uh, if you are pro-life, you're probably going to enjoy this message. If you're pro-choice, you might feel a little threatened or angered or provoked by this. That is not my intention today. Can I just say amen? I'm not here to try to draw divisive lines or to use the, the pulpit as a bully pulpit. But I do want to say that I believe there is a truth that God has and a perspective that God has on life. And I think it's important that we understand that, right, as a body of believers. Um so I'm not trying to fan a flame of protest or incite somebody to anger. I have people get up and walk out in the first service. And if you choose to walk out, tackle them, ushers, amen. No, I'm kidding. But, but, uh, but I think we need to look past some of the messaging that we've been getting for decades. And we need to really look at what's at stake today, amen. And uh, so I don't have time today to go into the history of abortion Uh, like I would like to. But let let me also say this before we start. I also know that there's women and men and families that are in this room or that maybe that are watching online that your life has been touched by the issue of abortion. And I want to be very sensitive to that. And I want to tell you that I'm not here to judge anybody. Amen. Because a lot of people make a lot of decisions sometimes in the moment and they, they don't know what to do. Right. But I want to tell you that that the what is more important even than the message of abortion is the message of the grace and the healing that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you're here today and you've had abortion, I don't want you to walk in shame. If you've had an abortion, I don't want you to feel like God has forsaken you. I don't want you to feel like the church hates you. I want you to hear me loud and clear. We love you. Amen. But we do believe this is an issue that deserves... A conversation. Amen. So I do want to say this about, again, I'm not going to dig deep into the history of abortion, but there is a couple of things that I think that we need to understand. Particularly right now, we all recognize we live in a day and an age where people are trying very hard to divide us by class and by race and by religion. Amen. But I want you to know, historically, abortion providers have overwhelmingly targeted poor and minority communities for decades. Now, hear me, this is not even debatable. It's just a fact, amen? And I think part of this, and you need to understand this, part of this has to do with the beliefs of the founder of Planned Parenthood, a woman by the name of Margaret Sanger. Her mission was shaped largely by her worldview, and her worldview was one of eugenics. Now, if you don't know what eugenics is, eugenicists are people who believe that they can perfect the human race by eliminating so-called social ills or races that they deem inferior through genetics and through hereditary. Uh, and Margaret Sanger specifically wanted to get uh, to rid the world of disabled people, poor people, and especially people of color. And she particularly did not like black people. Amen. I'm just telling you the facts here. Look it up. If you don't believe me, you can verify for yourself. So what did she do? She targeted poor and in the beginning black communities to try to get rid of babies before they were even born. You need to understand this history about Planned Parenthood. And you're not going to find this on the Planned Parenthood website. They have purged. A matter of fact, you, you recently there used to be references to Margaret. They have purged. Most of their websites have purged Any references to Margaret Sanger once we became enlightened? And by the way, the Nazis practiced eugenics. Hitler was a eugenicist. And we still feel and are experiencing that level of anti-Semitism all around us today. Amen. By the way, the Jews are the most uh, attacked people because of their race of any people on the face of the earth. You can also look that up and verify it as well. Eugenics. So this all leads me to an important question. Does every human being, whether they're disabled or poor or black or brown or white, do we all have an equal right to life? Yes. Amen. I think we know that. And we do believe that every life matters because we all share a common human nature. And we are made in the image of God, right? But here's the question. Does that life extend to those who have not yet been born? Does that right? And by the way, just how big is the issue of abortion anyway? According to the World Health Organization, there are over 73 million abortions each year around the world. 73 million. That's 12 Holocaust a year. As of May 2023, there have been over 63 million legal abortions in the United States alone since 1973, not counting the illegal ones. Now, we really don't know what the numbers are because those numbers have become increasingly much harder to track because over half of all abortions now take place at home by use of the abortion pill. I encourage you to do some research on this. I'm not going to go into this. It's very graphic. It's very painful. These women are having abortions at home alone, and it's very traumatic, and you can get the pills very easy online. And that's why I'm going to tell you, closing clinics, it's good. Making tougher tougher laws is good. But the abortion pill is bypassing a lot of those things. So instead, we've got to educate ourselves and our communities about this issue of life. And for believers, we need to also embrace a scriptural understanding of life. Amen. Now, make no mistake. We live in a culture that is marked by the issue of abortion. But instead of letting culture create our worldview, which I talked about last week, or politicians, or entertainers. Don't you love it when an actor gets up and tries to tell you, don't buy guns, uh, don't have abortions, don't do this. I'm like, dude, you make movies. Sit down and be quiet. You you don't know what you're talking about, right? Use your platform to make a better film next time. Amen. Uh, But we need to be informed by the gospel and by science. And are thinking on abortion. Now, before I get too deep in the weeds, I want to say it again. I, I, I want to be very sensitive. I'm trying to be as sensitive as possible to this subject, particularly for women in this room who have had abortions. Or for boyfriends who have paid for an abortion. Or for parents who have experienced this. Because I'm telling you, unless your family has been touched by it, you don't understand the pain and the grief. You don't understand how conflicting it is for people when they've been put in that situation. And you also maybe don't understand the scars that many women carry, not just for the moment, but for the rest of their life. So this is a critically important issue today. And I want to remind us that God's word, his healing, his mercy, his grace is new every morning. Amen. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm going to look right in the camera. I want to tell you right now, I don't care what you've done, and I don't care how many times you did it. Jesus loves you. He will heal you. He will touch you. He will restore you. Amen. We need to understand God's view of the gospel just as much as we do God's view of abortion. So my prayer today is for healing and hope, not more guilt and not more condemnation. Because I think that most of us, whether you consider yourself pro-life or pro-choice, would agree that abortion is something that we really ought to try to avoid as much as humanly possible, right? Now, most people, including those who are not Christians, they understand that the church of the body of Christ as a whole is considered pro-life or anti-abortion, but many Christians don't know why. Right? We don't really know why. And unfortunately, I'm also going to say this. There's an ever-increasing segment of Christianity that now identifies as being pro-choice. Amen. It's sad. But I think one reason many Christians don't understand this issue, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I think pulpits have been way too silent about it over the years. Instead of lovingly and compassionately telling people why we're pro-life. I also think some pulpits have been too loud or two Christians have been too loud. And we've been shouting from our soapboxes at people who have tuned us out. And frankly, do you blame them? Amen. It's an issue that needs to be talked about, not screamed about. We need to be educated about it, not browbeaten about it. Amen. Amen. And as I said last week, we need to share the love of Jesus with compassion and without judgment. Another reason abortion is not talked about is because Christians, we're afraid we're going to offend somebody. Well, let me just tell you right now, the gospel message in and of itself is offensive. Right. Yeah, right. So we really can't hide behind that excuse. Amen. And by the way, I want to say, just say this. I'm going to throw this in real quick. It has nothing to do with abortion. We have gotten so thin-skinned in this country We get offended over every little cotton-picking thing. Man, we need to grow up. There's another way my daddy would have said it. I won't say it from the pulpit, amen. But you need to do that. So we're not so afraid to talk and share truth. So I want to jump in today. My message today is titled, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. As you read your Bibles, you're not going to find the word abortion anywhere. You know why it's not in the Bible, amen. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean the Scripture's silent about it, but let's go to the, wor- the Word of the Lord today. I'm going to share some Scriptures with you. Let me just tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to share some Scriptures with you, and then I'm going to share some science with you, and you be the judge. Psalm 139, verse 13. It says, For you, talking about God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full Now, as we read this, there's a core truth that we have to remember. That God is our creator. And he and he alone has the power and authority to give life and to take life. Amen. Look at what Job says in Job 33 and verse 4. For the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Look what else Job said, chapter 12, verse 10. In His hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Folks, it's in God's hands, not ours, to give or to take life. Look at Exodus 23 and 7. God has a very strong opinion about people who take life. Have nothing to do with a false charge. and what? Do not put an innocent or honest person to death, for I will not acquit the guilty. Proverbs 6:16 6, and 17. There are six things the Lord hates, no seven things that he detests, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent. God is the one who chooses when we leave this world. Deuteronomy 32, 39, I put to death and I bring to life. Just like murder, suicide, or euthanasia, abortion, is human beings asserting a control over life and death that is not ours to have. Amen. Again, God has the authority because God is the creator. From the womb, from the very beginning, humans have inherent value by virtue of what we are, made in the image of God. God created everything. In the very first book of the Bible, the first chapter of the book, first verse of the first chapter, it says, in the beginning, God What did he do? He created the heavens and the earth. The Bible tells us that God spoke the universe into existence. How long did it take? I don't know. It might have been seconds. It might have been 10 billion years. I don't know because you know what 2 Peter 3 and 8 says? Uh, That with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. You're not going to trip me up on that argument. Amen. You know how long it took? As long as it took. Because God's not constrained by time, amen? The Bible doesn't actually tell us. But it does tell us he created this earth, hear me, in a way that life could be sustained. And the reason for that is because life is important to God. James 1.18. God decided to give us life through the word of truth so we might what? I love this. Be the most important of all the things he made. You know that tree that you love, that sunset that we all enjoyed last night, the, de- the, the beautiful deserts and mountains and streams, all of that, it's all great, but guess what God said? You are my crowning jewel, the apple of my eye. You are the one. And by the way, I want to tell you something else. You are not an accident. I want to look at this room and I'm just trying to put my eyeballs on every human being in this place and I'm looking right at the camera. You are not an accident. Don't let any professor or any parent tell you that you are an accident. There might be accidental parents, but there's no accidental babies, amen? Come on. Your parents might not have had a plan, but God has a plan, amen? You may not have even known your parents, but God wanted you, and he had you in mind. I don't want you to miss this message. You are here because God wants you to be here. Hallelujah. You're here because God wants you to be here. He had a plan for your life. Jordan Peterson, somebody shared this quote with me in between services. I hope I get it right. He says, there is a, 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 a hole in the center of this world, and it's shaped just like you. And it can only be filled with you. And it's true. God has us here for a purpose. Now, we readily acknowledge that the abortion issue is complex. I mean, there's a lot of dimensions to it. There's personal dimensions, legislative, judicial, religious. There's scientific elements to this discussion. There is, however, hear me, one central debate. Now we're going to start getting into the weeds here about what this whole thing revolves around. One critical question that we must answer in order to determine if abortion is acceptable or unacceptable. Here it is. What is it that is inside of the womb after fertilization? Is it a person? Or just a blob of undeveloped flesh? Is it a human or, or, or an embryo or a fetus or a zygote? What in the world is a zygote? What, what, what are all of those things anyway? Is it human? Is it alive? And most importantly, is it a real person? When does life begin? Because hear me, every argument about abortion comes back to this issue. Who or what is in the womb? That's the central issue. Greg Kalkul, in a booklet that he wrote called Precious Unborn Human Persons, he said it this way, and I quote. He said, if the unborn is not a human person, no justification for abortion is necessary. However, if the unborn is a human person, then no justification for abortion is adequate. Yeah, I will say it again. It said... If the unborn is not a human being, no justification for abortion is necessary. Do, do what you do. But if it is a human person, then there's no justification that is adequate. Amen. See, no matter where you stand on the abortion issue, if you stop and assume for a moment that the unborn is actually a person created by God himself, hear me, the whole argument shifts. The whole landscape changes. Amen. There's no longer, uh, it's no longer about things like, well, you know, women have a right to privacy with their doctors. Of course they do. We all have a right to privacy with our doctors, right? But hear me, the law overrides anyone's personal privacy if another person's life is put into question. If the unborn are actually people, then their life is more important than someone's privacy. Or how about this? The other argument is women have a right to choose. Well, we all have a right to choose, but no one has unlimited rights to choose. For example, if your toddler or teenager becomes a burden to you. Well, let me rephrase that. When your toddler or teenager (laughs) become a burden to you, guess what? You do not have the choice to eliminate them. I I heard a pastor just say this past week. He said, parents, don't kill your kids because better kids are coming. They're called grandchildren. Amen. (laughs) But, but, but think, think logically with me for a minute. What about if you have an elderly parent that becomes sick or has dementia or can no longer take care of themselves? You don't get the right to choose to eliminate them yeah. because of the inconvenience of their life. Pastor David Platt said it this way. He said, the real question is not whether a woman has a choice, but whether the woman has a human being that God recognizes as a valuable person in the womb. And if so... Then, hear me, the moral duty to honor life supersedes the personal hardship that might come due to pregnancy. That's what David Platt said. And I know, I, I just happen to be a man. I know sometimes that's hard to hear a man talking about stuff like that, right? But it's true because the heart of the issue of abortion is the identity of the unborn. Pro-abortionists will commonly assert that the question of when human life begins, it's metaphysical or it's just a religious matter. It's subjective. Therefore, there's no firm answer. Folks, that's where they trip us up. That's where they make us fall. They try to make us think this is a subjective argument. And I want to help us here as pro-lifers right now. I'm a pro-lifer. If if as a pro-lifer we attempt to debate from that perspective, always arguing the religious view, hear me, you're going to lose every time. Because, can I tell you right now, a lot of people could not care less about your religious views. When you start quoting scriptures, they don't care about your scriptures. Because I'm going to tell you right now if somebody tries to convince me of something from the Quran, I ain't buying your Kool Aid. Because I don't believe in the Quran. Amen. Do you follow my logic here? Quoting Psalms is not going to convince anybody unless they already have a God view. Or a little bit of a biblical worldview. So you know what we need to do? I want to appeal to you. Let's look at the science. Let's look at the facts about life. Not just the scriptures. Which, by the way, as a Christian, that's enough for me. But scriptures about life are not going to be your strongest argument in today's culture. And guess what, folks? That's the culture we live in. This ain't the 1950s. You can't just pull the Bible off the shelf, tell them to get to church and get their life straight. The science of, embryo- of embryology, it established from the earliest stages of development, you and I are distinct, living, and whole beings. Folks, this is not religion, this is science. We are developed all the way from fertilization until birth. But what we are, a human being, hear me, it's never been in question. You are a human from the moment of conception. Now, remember last week, thank you. Remember last week I mentioned that truth is always evolving? Truth is truth, is truth. It's but it's just being revealed to us, right? There's truth that's always existed that we're just discovering. It doesn't make a new truth. It's just new truth to us. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's no greater example of that than the issue we're talking about right now today. DNA, life, the origins of life. We know way more about this subject now than we did. In the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, amen. I look at some of the ultrasounds that people can have right now. Just in my lifetime, I'm like, what in the world? This is unbelievable, you know. Uh, and, and on this issue, we need to stop and realize we have been educated more. And we need to understand that. Have you ever thought about how amazing David's description was about the womb in Psalm 119, considering how little he actually knew? about what was going on, let me read it to you again. Verse 13, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Look, verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God, you knew the exact number of days. You knew the plan. You knew the purpose. So let me just stop right here and tell you what actually is going on inside the womb. I wrestled about whether to do this or not, and I'm so glad I did. But I want to take about the next few minutes, and I want to tell you in simplistic but scientific terms, no Bible, what's really going on in the womb. Are you ready? Fertilization. Genetic instructions from the mother and father combine to form what's called a zygote, barely visible to the human eye. You thought the zygote was a word I made up, didn't you? <laughs> this single cell contains more information than 50 sets of the 33-volume set of the Encyclopedia Britannica. On the very first day, The first four cell divisions take place as the zygote travels down the mother's fallopian tubes toward the uterus, all the while being nourished and protected by the mother's body. After five to nine days, the zygote implants in the uterus, and from this point onward to about eight weeks is known as an embryo. Around two weeks after fertilization, hear me, the first missed menstrual period happens because menstruation is suppressed by chemical signals emitted by the unborn child. Hear me, I want you to understand this. Did you know that baby is sending signals to the mother's body that says, don't expel me? You didn't just stop having a period. That baby is stopping your body from getting rid of it. That's the way God created it. The child's first completed brain cells also appear. At three weeks, the preborn child's heart is an advanced stage of formation. The, The eyes begin to form. And his brain, spinal column, nervous system are virtually complete at three weeks. At just over three weeks, 24 days, the heart begins to beat. At four weeks... His muscles are developing. His arms and leg buds are visible. And his first neocortical cells appear. Come here, Lindsay. Run up here with that baby. I'm, I'm giving you a, a, a verbal. I'm going to give you a visual. No, you hold her because I, I can't walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. Well, come up here next to me. This isn't Lindsay's baby. This is my other daughter's baby. That's all right. I just want you to see the baby while I'm talking. I want you to look and listen at the same time. At four weeks, her muscles are developing. Her arms and leg buds are visible. Her first neocortical cells appear. The neocortex is the seat of complex thinking and reasoning, a feature present in no other mammal. By the way, we're not just a mammal among mammals. Come on. Blood now flows in this baby's veins separate from... His mother's blood. At five weeks, the baby's pituitary gland is forming. Additionally, the baby's mouth, ears, and nose are taking place. At six weeks, the baby's heart energy output is already at the 20% level compared to that of an adult. Six weeks. Her cartilage skeleton is completely formed and bone formation begins. The umbilical cord is developed. Her brain coordinates voluntary movements of muscles and the involuntary movement of organs. Reflex responses are present. At around 43 days, the baby's brain waves can be recorded. At 45 days, she begins spontaneous involuntary body movements, and milk teeth buds are present. At seven weeks, her lips are sensitive to touch, and her ears resemble her family's pattern. I don't know if that's Evan or Lauren's ears yet. I still got to figure that one out. Amen. The first fully developed neurons or nerve cells appear on the top of her spinal cord, beginning the construction of the brain stem, which regulates vital functions such as breathing, the heartbeat, and blood pressure. At eight weeks, the preborn baby is well-proportioned, about an inch and a half long, one-thirtieth of an ounce of weight. All organs are present, complete, and functioning except for the lungs. And by the way, and our guests from East End Pregnancy Center can correct me if I'm wrong, I think at eight and nine weeks is the most common time that most babies are aborted, I believe. Her heart be- beats sturdily. Her stomach produces digestive juices eight weeks. Her liver makes blood cells. Her kidneys are functioning. Her taste buds are forming. Her unique fingerprints are being engaged. Her eyelids and the palms of her hands are sensitive to touch. Of the 45 total generations of cell replication, they're going to take place by mature adulthood. Guess what? Two-thirds or 30 of them have already taken place at eight weeks. She now consistently consists of about one billion cells containing more genetic information than every word communicated by every human being who has ever lived since the beginning of the human race. All by eight weeks. At nine weeks, the preborn child will bend her fingers around an object placed in her palm. Her fingernails are forming. She sucks her thumb. At 10 weeks, all sections of her body are sensitive to touch. She swallows. She squints. She frowns. She puckers up her brows. By 11 weeks, she makes facial expressions including smiles. She is now breathing amniotic fluid steadily and will continue to do so until she's born. Her fingernails and toenails are now present. Her taste buds are working. She will drink, I love this, she will drink more amniotic fluid if it is artificially sweetened and less if it has a bitter taste she's already requested sweet and nice tea amen <laughs> it starts early by the end of the first trimester vigorously act, vigorous activity shows up and her personality begins to develop sleep patterns differ some babies hiccup constantly this one did as a matter of fact you could feel the hiccups through my daughter's uh, pregnant stomach and she still hiccups amen other babies cry The baby can kick, turn over, curl and fan her toes, make a fist, open her mouth, press her lips tightly together, practice breathing. At 13 weeks, the pre-born child's facial expressions resemble those of her parents. Her movements are more vigorous and graceful. Her vocal cords and her external sex organs are present. The sex of the baby can be determined at 13 weeks. Amen. And by the way, you only get one sex. You are who you are. I'll talk about that in two weeks. Amen. The baby can now hear very clearly. At four months, 16 weeks, the preborn baby can grasp with her hands. She can swim. She can turn somersaults. Her mother starts feeling her movements around this time. Her eyelashes are now present. And rapid eye movement, REM, which indicates breathing, can be recorded in a baby. A very bright light shined toward the mother's abdomen causes the baby to slowly move her arms to cover her eyes. Very loud music will cause the unborn baby at four months to begin to try to cover her ears. By five months or 20 weeks, this preborn baby has formed her own unique sleeping habits. Loud noises such as a slam door can wake her up. Her hearing has a wider range of frequency than we do as adults. She can hear the higher and the lower ranges, and they may be soothed by gentle music. At six months, 24 weeks, most babies can live outside the womb with proper care. Did you know that? At six months, fine hair grows on their head and eyebrows, and now they have eyelashes. They weigh about 22 ounces and are about nine inches tall. She weighed 10 pounds when she was born. She still had a lot of growing to do. At seven months, 28 weeks, their weight increases to over 2.2 pounds. Lungs are capable of breathing air. Eye teeth are present. Her hands can support her entire weight at this time. She can recognize her mother's voice. Of the 45 total generations of cell replications that will take place by mature adulthood, now 38 of those have taken place. She now has about 300 billion cells. At eight months, 32 weeks, with only one month to go, her weight is about four and a half pounds. If born right now, eight months, she has a more than 90% chance of surviving. And being entirely healthy. At nine months, 36 weeks, the baby is gaining about an ounce of weight per day. All of her senses are fully functioning. Her toenails and fingernails are complete. And on her birthday, (laughs) which is the only day a lot of people recognize. But on her birthday, the baby releases hormones that triggers labor. The lightest baby ever born to survive in good health weighed in at just 9.2 ounces. Less than a can of Diet Coke. Of the 45 total generations of cell replication that will take place by adulthood, 41 of those have now taken place by birth. Can you believe that? This baby now has about 2 trillion cells. Those remaining four generations of cell replication, they occur during our childhood and our young adulthood. That means, hear me, by the time this baby is born, over 90% of her development has taken place inside the womb. 90%. Pastor, why take eight minutes and share that with us? I can find that online because I want to remind us here today from the moment of conception until the moment of birth, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That thing in the womb is a human being. Not a blob, not a mistake, a living, breathing human being in development that God has a unique plan for. Everything about this issue revolves around what is happening in the mother's womb. Any distinction between the unborn and a person or a human is unbiblical and it doesn't have any scientific merit. Science shows us that the development of the human person from fertilization until death, it's an unbroken continuum. Amen? There's no single point, hear me, in which we can say this unborn child is now a living person where it was not a living person one hour ago or one week ago. There's no place, and that's what they want you to believe. It just something, something just mystically happens. No, 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 from the moment of conception. See, David was right. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. So why is life so precious? I'm almost done. I just want to share a couple quick points with you before I close. Number one, your life is sanctified. Your life has sanctity. You've heard that phrase before, the sanctity of life. What does that mean? Sanctity comes from the word to to sanctify. It means to be set apart. It means to mark something as special. It means to dedicate something for special use. The Bible says that your life and my life has sanctity because human beings are uniquely different from all the rest of creation. Because God planned your life before you were born. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's what the scripture says. Before you were even conceived... God knew who you were going to be. Before you took your first breath, God already knew you. And by the way, folks, there's examples of this in the Bible. I don't have time to read them to you. The Bible tells us John the Baptist was actually filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Read the Scripture. Why God had a plan for his life. Isaiah said, the Lord called me before my birth from within the womb. He called me by name. Isaiah said, God knew my name before my parents even knew my name. Amen. God called him before he was born. What does that mean? God is a calling and a purpose on every life. I'm putting a purpose on this planet. And his name is Mika, Kevin, Evan, Lauren, Rodney, Davina, Shelly. I've got a name. I've got a plan. Here's what God said to Rebekah. The sons in your womb shall become two rival nations. One will be stronger than the other. The other, the older shall be the servant of the younger. And we've all seen what's happened. Yes. God already knew what was going to happen to those two boys. He already knew. That's why we don't believe in abortion. Yes. Because abortion short-circuits God's plan. Yes. Amen. Yes. Second point I want to make, your life has value. There's a reason we're pro-life. Your life has value. Deep inside all of us is a desire for dignity and for worth and for value. Everybody wants to feel like their life matters, right? Amen. What is it that gives us dignity or worth? We, well, you know, we try all kinds of things, right, that don't actually work. You don't get dignity from wealth. You don't get it from fame. You don't get it from physical beauty. Amen. Physical beauty eventually fades. How many of you familiar, you recently in the news, Matthew Perry, the famous actor who played Chandler on Friends? Everybody heard about it? He just died recently at the age of 54. He battled addictions for a large part of his life. And you know what Mr. Chandler, uh, not Mr. Chandler, Mr. Perry, had been saying recently? He said, I don't want to be remembered for the role that I had on the TV show Friends. He said, I want everybody to remember me for being a person that helped other people break the cycle of addictions in their lives. You know what he understood? He said, my significance did not come from being a mega TV star. I realized my significance has come from doing something that has a purpose beyond me. In other words, he knew that the big picture of his life, he wanted it to be something less, uh, more substantial than just being on television. Mm -hmm. See, you can feel like you've obtained it all by the world's standards. Money, power, fame, beauty. And you still feel empty inside. Why? Because you and I were made for more. That's why every life matters. That's why it all matters. Verse 18. I don't have time to read it. 1 Peter 1 and 18. You can skip that verse. It says God paid a ransom to save you. Do you know how much your life is worth? This much. Hallelujah. Enough for our Messiah to get on the cross and die for us. That's how much your life is worth. Therefore, 1 Peter 2 and 17 says, we're to treat everyone that you meet with dignity. Show proper respect to everyone because everybody you meet is somebody that Jesus died for. Believers, non-believers. People you agree with, people you disagree with. Amen. It also means the born and the unborn. Your life is sanctified. Your life has value. And then number three, your life is has purpose. Praise to me, musicians. Come on now. Psalm 139, 16 from the New Century Version. I love it in this verse. Look what it says. You saw my body as it was formed. Look at this. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. See, that's another reason we're pro-life. Every baby, even the unborn, all their days have an ordained plan from God. That means God has a defined purpose for your days while you're here on earth. And I'm going to tell you right now, everybody who's over the age of 40 can tell you these days go by really quickly. Now, I remember when I was a teenager, I thought I would never turn 20. Man, wait till I turn 18. Wait till I turn 18. Wait till I... And then I turn, got in my 20s, and now I can't get the clock to stop. I mean, it just, life's just coming at you so fast. You know what the Bible says? We all get around 70 years on this earth. Some of us more, some of us less. But hear me, every one of those days has purpose. Some of them are for rest. Some of them are for work. Some of them are for pleasure. Some of those are for family. Some of those are for the kingdom. Some of them are for fishing. Some of them are for watching football. But all those days have purpose. Hear me. God has a plan. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. God has made us what we are. Look at this. In Christ Jesus, what? God made us to do good works, which God planned when? In advance for us to live our lives doing. God made you just how you are. Hallelujah. Your interests, your desires, your talents, your likes, your dislikes, God made us. He also made you to do good works. Bible said he planned in advance. He uniquely shaped you to play a specific role in life. And hear me if you don't be you ain't nobody else going to be you. That might not be good grammar but it's great theology. If you don't be you ain't nobody else going to be you. I want you to stand with me. And just as a side note can we miss God's purpose in our life? Absolutely. People do it all the time. In fact, you can go all through life and you can miss God's purpose for your life. Sometimes, some of us can even speed up or mess up God's plan. You know, if, if and I, I'm just going to tell you, if, you know, because I hear people say all the time, well, it must have been their time to go. Well, maybe, maybe not. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I go out of here today and I stop at Kroger and I buy a case of beer, I don't drink, I'm a teetotaler and I go out and I get a case of beer and I drink that and I get in my car and I have a crash on the way home and I die guess what I can tell you with assurance that was not God's plan for my life I just tell you right now that was not God's will for my life I made a bad choice I made a wrong turn and my family is going to suffer the consequences of my poor choices so why, am I, why am I saying all that because I'm going to tell you sometimes we got to quit making excuses for poor choices or we end up in a place and go well that must have been God must have wanted me to be there no not necessarily but here's what I do know God has a great plan for cleaning up the mess on aisle nine amen I can see Gabriel now Lord they really screwed up royally this time. Could you please enact plan B? Creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, oh Lord. Let me get back on the right track. So here's what I wanna say. I'm gonna look at the camera. Matter of fact, every head bowed, every eye closed because I don't want this to be uncomfortable. I wanna speak right now to the women or the men or the families that abortion has touched your life there's probably nothing in the Christian church that we carry around silently as much with a badge of shame as we do this issue some women are even afraid to talk about it and inside they're hurting and they're broken and they're struggling and if I'm talking to you right now I want to tell you something Jesus loves you He cares for you and he forgives you and he does not want you to carry that weight of shame the rest of your life. Take your experiences and use them for the glory of God. Take your pain and let it help you to help somebody else. And I just want to pray a prayer of healing today on the people that might be suffering or hurting in this moment. I want to pray for them right now. And I just want every, let's just join hands across your aisle, whatever your, your chair. Just reach across, take somebody by the hand. If somebody's down in the next end of your pew, signal them to come down and take you by the hand. We're going to pray for one another right now. Because here's what I know. While we're linked together, you're linked to somebody in this room that's had an abortion. You're linked to a family that made a very painful choice in a moment of desperation. And you know what I'm praying for right now? I want healing to fill this room. I'm going to talk to you in just a moment about some ways we can get involved and make a difference. But right now, can we just take this moment and let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, because I know this is an issue that has touched the church. It's almost like the scarlet letter in the church. Not A for adultery, but A for abortion. And I pray, Lord, right now, that you would let healing and restoration begin in the body of Christ. God, I pray for every woman that is carrying scars, mental scars, emotional scars. I pray, Lord, for you to heal her and release her. I pray for every man who who paid for an abortion when he was a teenager or a young adult because he was scared and he was desperate and he didn't know what else to do. I pray, Lord, right now that you would heal his mind, that you would set him free, Lord. I pray for every desperate mom and dad that didn't know what to do and Maybe they they pushed their daughter to make a decision and they've been consumed with guilt all the days of their life. God, set them free. Lift this burden right now. Restore and heal as only you can do. We are your body, Lord. And we speak healing and not judgment. We speak restoration. And we ask you, God, to do what only you can do. You can bind up the brokenhearted. You can heal. Broken lives. You can mend hurting souls. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a praise right now? Thank you, Jesus. Davina, Michelle, come on up here real quick. We're going to finish our altar call right here in your chair today, okay? Pastor, what can we do? First of all, you can pray. Ask God to end abortion in our country and around the world. Pray that officials get elected. Pro-life people get elected. Amen? It makes a difference. Legislation matters. And I tell my Republicans, Democrats, we need to get beyond that. You need to pray for people that represent your godly values. You say, well, none of them do. Well, pick the best one and pray like you mean it. Amen? Ask the Lord to enlighten people. That's what I've tried to do today, not just from Scripture, but from science. Ask God to put people in positions of power who can make a difference. Also, you know what we can do? Not just pray, we can get involved. One of our missions partners is here from the East End Pregnancy Center. I asked them to be here today. Why don't we give them a big hand? Amen. She's in the back corner. They have a table there. I'm going to ask you, please stop by if you feel led and ask what you can do to help. You can volunteer. You can make donations, amen. You can do lots of different things. We're going to do a baby bottle campaign to raise some money in January, so stay tuned. You can participate in 40 Days of Life. You can participate in prayer walks. I'm not talking about getting in people's faces and shouting at them. Because if that's what you want to do, you're at the wrong church. You need to find another place to go. Amen. I'm talking about loving people with the love of Jesus, giving them hope and not hate, amen. Another thing you can do, you can give to Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders is our monthly missions offering. Over half of the missions giving that comes into this church, guess what? It goes to children. It goes to orphanages. It goes to youth organizations. Amen. We support uh, foster family organizations. We support uh, uh, an orphanage. You're going to hear about it in a moment in the Philippines. We support a school in Ethiopia. We support uh, several ministries right here in Richmond. Amen. Thank God we care about life. And we don't just talk about it, but we care about it. We do something about it. Here's something else you can do. You can prayerfully consider adoption. Or foster care. Now, I know that's not for everybody. But how about we give a big shout out right now to all the moms and dads who adopt and foster. Come here, Jesse. Come here, Stephanie. I'm bad about this. Come here. I'm going to tell you, you can hear me talk, but there ain't nothing like a real life example. Come up on the stage. Y'all see this beautiful baby? These are foster parents. And they got this baby right from the hospital. And can I just tell you something? They ain't as old as me. But it takes special people in this season of life when a lot of people their age are saying, you know what? I can finally start enjoying the fruits of my labor. I can spend me some time at the lake house. I can go have fun. Instead, they're saying, you know what? We're going to pour some of our best years Into the lives of children who need help. Thank you. Thank you. Are Andrew and Jessica here? Andrew, you don't have to give me names. How many foster children do you have? Three right now. How many have you had? Did I hear you say 36? Great day in the morning. We can't do nothing. Nobody can help. And we got heroes setting in the pews. Superstars. Ah, come on. You got to give them a little bit more love than that. (laughs) I know it's not for everybody. And if none of those things are for you, you know what you can do? Pray for the... Andrew and Jessica's. Pray for the Jesse and Stephanie's. Pray for the Virginia home for boys and girls which we support. Pray for the the youth life of Richmond Foundation. Pray for the Ronald McDonald's. Pray for Ima's home. Amen. Pray for moving. Pray for, there's so many ways we can be involved. So, last thing I'm going to pray and then Davina's going to come up. I just want us to pray right now for life the womb, life in the nursing home, life in the homes for the disabled, life in the orphanages, life in foster homes, life of senior citizens who are neglected, life of poor women in poor neighborhoods who feel like they don't have any options, life of immigrants who are coming here just trying to to make a better way for their family. I know the whole immigration debate, I ain't getting into all that today, but we need to pray for people that are trying to make a better way. We need to love them. Amen to care for and by the way I'm not going to talk about this today but for the same reason that we're pro-life in the area of abortion we don't believe in murder we don't believe in suicide we don't believe in euthanasia because again God is the giver and taker of life Amen Father I pray right now and I'm sorry I've gone longer than normal but I think this is important today Father I just pray right now that a culture of life and love would fill our hearts. Not of hate, not of, of Phariseeism, but a culture of life and love. Help us, Lord, first of all, to model it. Help us to care for people who have experienced this issue firsthand. Help us to do more to help people. Those who've stepped across the line and said, I'm not gonna have an abortion. But we forget about them. Help us to provide financial resources and babysitting and diapers and formula. Whatever we can do, just a network of love and support. Help us as the body of Christ to do all you've called us to do and to be all you've called us to be. That's my prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen,
1: amen. just love the Lord. It's so good. So before I tell you this, I have to say... That I am not as old as my numbers. Let it be known. But I was born in 1973. And I was born to a young, unmarried, 16-year-old girl who was not raised in church and whose family did not want her to keep me. And I stand today in honor of my mother because she's stubborn and I have to say that I got very well and it is going as a legacy to my own children maybe that was why but I really think that God had a plan and I struggled a long time the scripture that we read in Psalm 139 about God knowing me in the secret when i was conceived in sin and i had a lot of shame about that because i felt like well god you knew me then why did you let me be conceived in sin and i had to come to a place to acknowledge that god saw me and loved me and had saw my value and knew that there was going to be generations of worshipers and generations coming behind me because of one decision that one person made. So today I'm just telling you and sharing a little bit of my heart. I just, I know that there are people in this room, you may also share those same shames, maybe shame of abortion, maybe shame of, of not having legacy or where you came from or what runs in your bloodline, whatever it is. Today, let's just lay those things at the cross. Let's believe what God says about us that we are chosen, that we are valued, and that He loves us with an everlasting love. Amen.
0: Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.